Major Lyons, in your experience, do these initial strikes target leadership or supply lines? Uh, what exactly? I mean, we've heard the Defense Department saying they need to, they want to further degrade the capabilities of these groups. I think, given the fact that it's been five days since the attack uh, in the base there, I think they're going to be more strategic. And I thought they were likely going after leadership first. You heard Aaron talk about a lot of different options that they had, but I wouldn't be surprised. However, if not getting leaders in this kind of strike, then they're going after their capability to, to, to wage war, and that is the logistical supply lines that exist in these trains that run from, from Iran through Iraq and then into Syria. So that's what it sounds like this first target was. It was more on logistics. Uh, perhaps there was a leader there. We've been signaling to have some of those leaders leave, uh, but there's still tremendous capacity that the, the Shia militia groups have uh, within within Iraq and within Syria and the like. So uh, it looks like this one, though, is logistically based, but I still would not be surprised in the overall campaign that they're going to go after some of the leaders of these Shia militia groups. And General Breedlove, this long wait, five days to retaliate, conceivably could have given these militias time to relocate, to relocate themselves and uh, their supplies. For the United States, how do they deal with the fact that this is basically potentially a moving target here? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. And um, we should have struck much quicker in my mind. But as we got close to the dignified return of our soldiers. I'm glad that our uh, government didn't uh, confuse that with all the reporting that you all are doing now. It's important that we keep our eyes on the sacrifice of these soldiers and having that trounced upon by the initial flurry of news of the attacks I think would have been bad. So in the big game, we should have struck sooner but as we got close to this dignified return, we need to get after it. I think a couple of things that are being missed here, we, we, uh, we've heard that we want to degrade their capabilities, reduce their capabilities, this, that, or the other. Uh, I think that's what we're doing. But I really think what we need to be doing is messaging Iran. We need to make it very straightforward with Iran that their attacks on U.S. forces in the Middle East will not be tolerated. And so as we watch the White House roll out this multi-tiered approach that they've talked so much about uh, in phases, et cetera, we need to keep ourselves focused on how those attacks are messaging Iran. Are these attacks impactful to things that uh, Iran prizes or finds important to them in this ongoing uh, low-level war with the United States that they've been carrying on through their proxies. Major Lyons and General Breedlove, I, I want you both to stand by for us because we have some new information that we want to get uh, your reaction to. Let's go back now to Nick Robertson in Tel Aviv. Nick, uh, you're learning more about the location of these strikes. What are you learning? Yeah, and it's quite informative because what it tells us there, the strikes, uh, places that have been struck before the 12th of November uh, last year was when they were last struck by the United States as, as part of the sort of weapons supply route uh, by the IRGC, Iran's top military body. Um, Abu Kamal, just across the border from uh, Iraq into Syria on the Euphrates River, then Al uh, Mayadan, which is uh, perhaps 20 or 30 miles further up the Euphrates River, but still 
still on that same major highway. And then Derazor, again, the same distance further up uh, the river, again, on that same major highway. So strategic places, uh, if you will, along think about most of the area there it's desert um, it's open there aren't that many highways across it there are one or two but this is the major highway from Iraq uh, and into Syria to uh, places that weapons can be moved and more easily moved on big trucks on uh, on larger highways so these appear to be at the moment uh, without knowing if there were any leadership figures that were killed in these strikes it does appear to be a, places that were hit before, but B, places that might have been part of the uh, weapons supply routes. And, and think about it this way, too. Um, you know, Iran is supplying weapons not just, um, you know, not just through Iraq to their uh, proxies inside Syria, but also many of those weapons take different routes and transit across Syria to Iran's proxies like Hezbollah inside of Lebanon. So these are... Uh, the, these these places may have a lot of weapons and ammunition stored there, but again, because of all the signalling, because of the time delay, uh, we don't know what's been what's been moved around. But these, of course, because we know they've been struck before, will have been under intense surveillance. So one would imagine that. Um, if ammunition stores had been moved around, then uh, then the targeting would have adjusted for that and may well adjust in, in the coming days when when uh, the assessment is made. What are the effects of these strikes? What do we see moving after these strikes? How can we follow up on that? Where have people gone? All these sorts of things, it becomes fluid and it becomes as the Pentagon uh, and the White House had initially outlined that this won't be a one and done, that there may be and likely will be follow ups. All right, Nick Robertson, we'll, we'll be back with you as this hour progresses. Let's get back now to CNN's Oren Lieberman over at the Pentagon. Oren, you also have some new reporting about how the strikes are unfolding as Nick reports on those sites where we believe the strikes are, are happening at this moment. We're learning more at this point about what sort of platforms were used to carry out these strikes on targets in Iraq and Syria. And they are telling. We've heard from a defense official that B-1 uh, B-1 Lancer bombers were used as part of the attack. Now, that's significant because past attacks in Iraq and Syria over the course of the past several months have been carried out by F-15 and F-16 fighter jets. Those platforms, those jets can still carry a punch, but they are, of course, limited because they are significantly smaller airplanes than what you're seeing on the, on the screen right here, the B-1 bomber. This is one of three of the largest bombers in the U.S. inventory, along with the B-2 and the B-52. The B-1 able to carry a much greater punch than, than a much smaller fighter jet, so multiple B-1s used as part of the attack on targets in Iraq and Syria gives you a sense of the scope and sort of the range of the attack itself. It, it suggests a much broader attack as we wait here for information on specific targets that were hit. It suggests a bigger attack and as was effectively promised by the Biden administration, a more powerful attack, one that could be carried out and sustained over a period of time. So again, it, it is telling that the U.S. used a number of B-1 bombers as part of this attack, as opposed to the smaller F-15, F-16 fighter jets. We've seen strike targets in Iraq and Syria. We've also seen F-18 fighter jets from the Navy target, uh, target uh, sites in Yemen. Again, the B-1, a larger platform, able to carry more bombs, frankly, able to carry a heavier payload. And that speaks to the intent of the attacks here, a much stronger response 
to the uh, ongoing attacks from Iranian militias against U.S. forces, Iranian-backed militias, I should say, than we've seen in the past. That was the intent of the administration, and that certainly, the platforms used here, the B-1 bomber among the platforms used, certainly speaks to that, Abby. That's very significant, Oren. Stand by for us. Uh, I want to go back now to retired U.S. Major uh, Mike Lyons and also retired Air Force General Philip Breedlove. Uh, uh, Major Lyons, on this latest reporting, the B-1 Lancet bo Lancer bomber, and on top of that, we're learning three potential sites that are on a supply line uh, for these militias. What does that tell you about what is being targeted here and how significant it might be when it comes to this question of how much they are able to degrade the capabilities of these groups? Well, it sounds like it's more than just a punch in the nose, uh, which some attacks we've made before were just signaling, you know, kind of one and done. It sounds like they really wanted to go after uh, these logistical supply lines like we were talking about and, and destroy them and destroy that uh, that chain that exists that goes from Iran through Iraq into Syria. And you, when you use this kind of platform, you're going to get the precision of, uh, of the kind of target you want to hit, as well as much more mass and capacity with regard to what, what's going to take out the target. So I think, uh, from again, from a strategic perspective, which is what this has to be, aside from the messaging back to Iran, uh, it has to get the results it wants to get. And so by, by using the B-1, by, by in, in, in increasing the size of the attack along the Tigris-Euphrates, uh, maybe dropping bridges, maybe doing other things to hurt it, it looks like the original, the initial signal is to go after these, uh, these supply lines or go after the equipment and take away their capability of waging the war.